Well, hello, good morning, New Life Church, Cersei. How you guys doing? Some of you are okay. We got to do better than that. How many of you had your coffee this morning? Coffee? Anybody coffee? So you guys should be the loudest. Are y'all ready? One, two, three. How's everybody doing? Go for it. So good to see you guys. Man, I am I'm humbled. I'm honored. I'm thankful to be able to hang out with NLC Cersei this morning. Um, I am Chad Denman. Uh, my wife and I planted NLC Saline County November 5th of 2017. That's a great place to give the Lord a hand in terms of what he's doing just throughout the state of Arkansas. But I will tell you that I am in awe of what God is doing across the state, but more specifically, even here in Searcy. And so I know that I want to attribute that to your staff. I want to attribute that to your pastors, Kevin and Robbie Atkinson. Can we just give it up for them all across this room? I love your pastors. He is actually in Saline County speaking for me. We just swapped places. And so, again, I'm, I'm honored to have him there to be able to share with our people. But I'm, I'm amazed by just the unity and the family that is in the house of New Life Church. Like, it's, it's amazing for me to be able to walk into a new place and to be able just to automat- automatically feel like I'm a part of your family. Like, just to see you guys. There's so much joy. There's so much excitement. There's so much just passion that you guys have for the Lord and that you have for the community. And, I mean, it's showing up just even with the backpacks. I was in awe of everything that God is doing just in this house. And, again, love being here with you guys. Are you ready for the word? Yeah, turn your neighbor and ask him, are you ready for the word? Turn to the other person, are you ready for the word? Now tell him you need the word. A lot more than I do. (laughs) All right, well, here we go. Let's jump into it. First of all, I will tell you that the message came out of a place of um, whenever I was just in Saline County and just meeting just a number of people. And they kept coming back to this place of, man, Chad, I'm a, I'm a busy person. Anybody, any busy people in the house? Go ahead and raise your hand if you are a busy person. Like you pack your schedule to the point to where it's just ridiculous, right? There's no margin. There's just a lot going on. I'm just meeting with these people and they're talking about, man, Chad, I'm a busy person. There's a lot of things that are going on. And whether it be career, my family and kids, which by the way, I have three boys under the age of eight years old. That's how I feel. Oh, it's like, oh, my. I heard someone say, oh, my. Yes, be praying for this brother from another mother. Okay, please pray for us. And then Kendall, my wife, and I are going to actually celebrate 13 years this month just in marriage. And so we're, man, we're excited about what God's doing. And Ah, all right. So anyway, so I'm meeting with these people, and there was just this, this common kind of question and just kind of theme that was going throughout, whether it be coffee or lunch that I was having with them. And it was like, Chad, I got all these things going on, but there's no significance. There's like no value. There's, I feel like there's no purpose, and it. it's just, it's empty. They, they, they described it in this term, like a hamster on a hamster wheel. And this is what it looks like. Y'all ready? And yet they don't go anywhere. All of a sudden, they run into this thing, and it's like, and yet they don't go anywhere. And it's like, Chad, I want my life to count. So initially, ultimately, what they're asking the question is, they're asking this question of, like, what is purpose? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And I'm glad you asked. Anybody ever asked that question before? If you were to be completely honest in the room, in the house, like, I've asked that question. Good, three of you guys. Everybody else, you guys are fixed. Have a great day. Y'all can go home. 
But no, I think a lot of people are asking this question in the midst of all the busyness and all the craziness that are happening in our world. And, and they're good things. But the question is, is are they the great thing? I'll even say it this way if you're taking notes. Good things are the enemy to the great things. Because if the enemy can keep us in a place where we're just doing a lot of good things and yet robbing us of the opportunity to be able to fulfill the great thing that God has called us to, we're going to miss it. And so the Lord is inviting us, like, how we can discover what is the great thing. You might want to know, like, what the great thing is. Like, how can I ace this? How can I make my life count? I want it to matter. I want value, and I want significance. Just to give you an illustration, how many of you guys have already gone on vacation this summer, vacation people? How many of you are planning a trip to go? You haven't gone yet? Okay. For all those people that went ahead and just raised their hand, here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and cancel those plans because your pastors, Kevin and Robbie, are actually going to buy you a round-trip plane ticket to Fiji and back. Here's the deal. Do not let that get back to them, by the way, okay? Here's the deal. When you board and you get on the plane in Little Rock, because, of course, everyone knows because of Little Rock being such a huge airport, that it's going to have a direct flight to Fiji. <laughs> right? But no, you board, and then all of a sudden, what you have is your pilot telling you, hey, by the way, we're on our way to Fiji, but I will tell you that we're going to be one degree off course the entire way to Fiji. Just one degree. Question. If you were just one degree off heading to Fiji, do you think that you're actually going to arrive in Fiji? And I think this ties in really, really well in reference to the questions that are being asked to me as a pastor. And I know to Pastor Kevin in regards to significance and value, because if we're just one degree off, we can miss it. We can miss the value. We can miss the significance. We can miss, we can miss the purpose. And so this morning, I'm excited about it because we're going to dive into this. Anybody ever seen any, like, just strange inventions that you had no clue what in the world they were? Anybody like the, the uh, show Shark Tank? Anybody like the show Shark Tank? Yeah, I love the show Shark Tank and just the crazy inventions of the things that they come up with. But the deal is, is that sometimes I will see an invention, but I have no clue what it's meant for. Like, what is it purpose to do? Well, how do we know that? Well, if you go to Shark Tank, you got these guys, the inventor that basically explains the purpose and what the invention was created to do, right? And I'm sure that there is an instruction manual that goes with that. How many men read the instruction manual? There's all the blessed guys in the house. Everybody else needs prayer afterwards. I'm right there with you. We just see that as weak. I don't know why we see that as weak, but I will tell you, it ties in really, really well in reference to the invention. For us to understand, we have to go back to the creator, or we have to go back to the owner's manual to know what this invention was purposed to do. And when we ask this question of significance and purpose, we have to go back to the creator. We have to go back to the owner's manual, that being the word of God, to give us instruction for us to be able to understand what is life really all about. Am I one degree off? Am I 10 degrees off? Or am I heading in the right direction? Ephesians 1.11 says this. It says, it is in Christ, everybody say Christ, that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Part of the overall purpose, say purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. I'm thankful that he knows it. And in Colossians 1.16, everything, absolutely everything. Everybody say everything. 
Does it say some things? What does it say? Everything. So everything, absolutely everything, got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So the big question, like, Chad, how can I make my life count? Like, what does it look like? Number one, if you're taking notes, we were created for God's enjoyment. For some of us, that kind of like shakes us a little bit. Like, what do you mean by that, Chad? Revelation 4.11 says this, you, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Let me ask you a question. How many parents are in the room? Do you enjoy watching your kids, being around your kids? Some of you are like, if I were to be completely honest, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes, Chad. Well, I want us to understand, because here's the reality. I love seeing my boys succeed. I love seeing my boys learn something new. I, I love seeing my kids grow. I love seeing them ace it in certain things. Kyle, my eight-year-old, we, uh, we, were, we were playing baseball, and cool thing about him, I got to brag as a dad, he was invited to, uh, um, to try out for the All-Stars, of course, with our crazy schedule and planting a church and building a home. Not a good move for us, okay? Um, but it's fun just being able to see him play the game of baseball and to see the enjoyment. And then watching him like, make this ridiculous play that I'm like, where in the world did that come from? You must have got that from your daddy. Or to watch my five-year-old. He, we, we started, he's five years old. We started riding our bike on Monday. I kid you not. The dude is going crazy in our, in our driveway on the bike, just acing it. He's got his little kickstand. He's balancing. He's starting off by himself. He knows how to stop. That's a big moment. And then Gray, my two-year-old. My two-year-old is potty training. How many of you know that we really celebrate the potty training? And it's like over the most ridiculous things. I'm watching my two-year-old. He's going for it. He's doing the right day. I got to go, we'll fill in the blank. I'll let you fill in the blank. And it's like then he aces it, and it goes into the potty. That's always good. And it's like I'm a proud dad. That's a proud moment for me. I think it's important for us to all understand this. God enjoys you. He loves you. He takes pleasure in you. He loves you discovering new things about him and, 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 and life and seeing you grow and seeing you mature in your faith and riding a bicycle. I think so many times, though, we can get caught up in this place where we feel like the only time that God really enjoys us is whenever we're doing spiritual things. My boys don't have to quote a scripture for me to love them. They don't have to lead a worship song or preach a sermon or feed the poor for me to enjoy and love them. I just love it whenever they're around me. I love it whenever we're washing the car and then all of a sudden it turns into a water fight. I love it whenever we're just doing just silly things and they're all into Michael Jackson right now. My boys are. And to my two-year-old is like trying to bust a move. I mean, it's amazing. It's so funny watching him do that. But I will tell you that as they, as they see my love for them and they love me back, they're going to want to know more about me. 
They're going to want to know why I love the Lord and why I serve the Lord, why I want to feed the poor, why I'm kind, why I'm joyful, why I'm all of those things. But if I just put it in a place of just do's and don'ts for them, you're supposed to quote, quote a scripture, or you're supposed to lead worship, or you're supposed to sing, or you're supposed to clap your hands here, or you're supposed, instead of it coming out of a place of, man, daddy, I see the love that he has for God. And because he has this love for God and I see the fruit of that, it's like, I just want to do what daddy does. Church, the same thing is true in reference whenever you know that God enjoys you and he loves you. You're going to want to be around him. You're going to want to celebrate. You're going to want to do these things. Psalm 149.4 says this, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Like this is his word. He doesn't just take pleasure whenever you're at church. He takes pleasure whenever you're bringing Jesus to a hopeless and broken world. Whenever you're becoming more and more like him. The place that you live in love and grace and forgiveness for people and bringing truth with love, by the way, to people. To bring hope. To bring compassion. This is whenever he's proud of you and just discovering new things. It's not works. It's Jesus did all the work. I'll say it that way for us to enjoy him. There is nothing my boys can do. And it took me, I'll be honest with you, it took me having kids, my first actually, for me to understand this truth. There is nothing that my boys can do that's going to cause me to love them anymore as a dad. Performance. Like they don't have to perform for me. Now do they disappoint me sometimes? Do they discourage me sometimes? Yes. But does my love move in that place? No, I just love them. I just love them. And by the way, there's nothing that they can do that's going to cause me to love them any less. Are they going to? Yeah, they're going to disappoint me. We, we, we walk through some trials. I don't have a perfect family. I have a great family, but I don't have a perfect family. Anybody have a perfect family? Look at all the heathens in this place. But yet I still love them. We've got to get that. I just love them. Ephesians 1.4 says this. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, God had us in mind and settled on us the focus of his love. On us. So the first purpose in life is to know and to love God. Like I promise you, you will not be a degree off as you continue to fall more and more in love with God. And as you fall more and more in love with him because you first understand how much he loves you, it changes everything for us, church. How many of you love football? Any football guys, ladies? Any? Yep, you love football. Uh, Dallas Cowboys? Look at all the Christians in the place. Raise your hand if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. Yes, thank you very much. I see the blue, sir. I got you. I'm with you. You're even sporting the blue. Isn't any just sports fans in general? Sports fans in general, you just love sports. Okay. <laughs> Who said boo, by the way? Man, okay, I'm praying for you after this service. All right, come see me. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. <laughs> I pray that you get delivered in Jesus' name. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, based on even a sport and us loving a sport. When you love something, you're going to show honor. You're going to show respect. You're going to be obedient to the rules. The same thing, same thing change, like ties into when we love God, we're going to honor him. We're going to respect him. We're going to want to obey him because how crazy would it be 
If you've got Green Bay and you've got the Dallas Cowboys playing, which I still can't forget this moment. I think it was two years ago in a playoff game. Yeah, y'all remember. That was a heartbreaker for me too. But go with me here. How crazy would it be as you had two teams going against each other with no rules, no boundaries, no touchdowns? How fun would that be? It wouldn't. What are the boundaries for? It's to keep people all in the same place. What are the rules for? For them to be able to obey the rules, to enjoy the game. And, it, and, and again, it's the same thing in terms of with our Lord. It keeps us in place. Can, can, you, can, can you imagine like Aaron Rodgers, because there's no rules or nothing, and they're like just in, the, in the stadium, just taking off, throwing a pass, and then running to the stadium or running into the locker room? We're like, where did Aaron go? And then you got these guys just all over the place trying to find what am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to stand here? Do I get, how do I get in my stance? Did it, I mean, it's, it would be crazy. The Lord has set up for us to enjoy life and to enjoy him. And the way that we enjoy him is based on the parameters and the boundaries that he's put around us so that we can experience peace and joy. Because if you're anything like me, whenever I've stepped over the boundaries, guess what's there? Shame and guilt. I don't like that place. So it's like, God, because you love me so much and I've experienced that love and I know that love, I just want to love you back. 1 Timothy 6.21 says this. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And I can tell you some personal stories of those times where I've just been disobedient. I've run away from God thinking that I know what's best. But it's in that place of me thinking that I know what's best is where I create the most mess. Hey, that's tweetable right there. I just rhymed and I didn't even know it because I'm a poet. Let me show it. All right, keep going. <laughs> There's been those times. So how do you know whenever you're disconnected with God? Are you ready? Matthew 6, 32. People who don't know God are always in a place of worry. Or people who don't know God are always worrying. Why? Because they don't know God's love and, like, God ultimately wants what's best for them. Like, I, there's never a time where I just want something good for my boys. I want the very best for my boys. Especially whenever they have a thankful heart. These boys love Skittles. Whenever they're thankful for Skittles, I can rain Skittles down for them. Whenever they're not grateful and they're not thankful, guess what's happening with the Skittles? I'm keeping those Skittles. I think it's important if you're in a place of worry, it's because we're disconnected. Let that kind of be one of those things, like a warning light that's going on in our life, because I will tell you, he is our provider. He is our strength. He is our protector. He is everything that we need. When you know that, there's a confidence that comes from that place. There's a trust that comes from that place. Let it be a warning light. Let me ask you a question, TV people. Anybody got the TV in your house? Yes, you got a TV? Okay. Remote control. Let me go here. Just kind of give you this illustration. There's so many times that I see people in their faith that never put the power source like in a remote control. So they're tirelessly getting up and getting down, going to the TV to turn it on, then sitting back down. I don't like that channel, so I'm going to get back up and I'm going to turn the channel. By the way, all of a sudden the volume's not right. So I sit back down, I get back up, and I turn up the volume to the TV. Or you know what? It's too loud. So I got to go back up. I got to turn it down. Yet you have this thing called a remote control. And if we just put the batteries in it, it's a whole lot more effortless. 
And I will tell you that whenever God is in the center, the power source for you in your life, you're not in this place of burnout and exhaustion. And the Lord is saying, hey, will you invite me in? Will you let me in? Will you let me lead? Will you let me guide? Will you let me teach? Will you let me encourage you? I got you. I'm everything that you need. Number two, we were created for his family. We are created for his family. Ephesians 1, 5 says as God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. You mean the most worst person on planet earth. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great, there it is. Yes. Aren't you thankful for his grace? Aren't you thankful for his forgiveness? Aren't you thankful that he took our place? Because of love. We couldn't fix us. Yet he goes to the cross to take it all on him so that we wouldn't have to. We're created for his family. God doesn't want us to do life alone. This is why we have life groups and serve groups here at New Life Church. The church was not created for rules and regulation. It was created for relationships, relationship with him and relationship with other people. It wasn't created to be an institution. It wasn't created to be an organization. It wasn't created to be a bureaucracy. It was created for relationships to be family, where we lock arms and we help each other up and we encourage one another. We pray for one another. We know what's going on in our lives. I think the greatest way for me to kind of show you a picture of what the church looks like, and you may be thinking, man, Chad, this is going to be a little crazy. I may not get it completely. But there's a, there's a video of this Australian guy. He sounds like he's Australian. And he's like videoing this musk ox, this herd of musk ox. Anybody even know what a musk ox is? Musk ox? I didn't even know what it is either. But you're going to see it. Because why? They're being threatened by this outside force. They're being threatened by wolves. But I want you to see the power of community and relationship and family that is able to ward off this threat. Check it out. My wolves are hungry, but this is a big herd. The pack are outnumbered two to one. It's not often that a meal comes straight towards a wolf, but that's what seems to have happened here. Now the wolves have to really think carefully whether this is worth it, whether they stand a chance. Luna and Romulus lead the charge. They're going for it. They're going for the muskox. They're going for the muskox. Jesus sit panicking amongst the herd. They don't want us to get them up on the on the hill because they'll lose them on the flat. Thank you. 
the muskox have regained the advantage. The muskox regained their advantage. Why? Because they stayed together. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but there was a musk ox calf right in the middle of them. And it was amazing to be able to see these musk ox bulls get on the outside and be the kind of that first front, if you will, for the rest of the herd. But yet they stuck together and they weren't defeated. I think this is the power of the church. This is the way that the Lord's created it for you and for me is that, yes, relationship here, but also relationship one to another to where those that are strong in their faith can be that person to ward off that outside threat where you have a family who's falling apart because the enemy continues to hit them. And yet you position them and you put them in the middle of the herd. I promise you I'm not calling you muskox, church. All right, just go with me here. (laughs) But I think it's important for you to see and for me to see and to be reminded of there's power in number and especially a specific unified vision. They were collective. They were together, right? What if they were dispersed? Do you think they would have been overtaken by the outside threat? Thus saith the Lord. The Lord wants us close. Family. We need each other. Romans 12, 5, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Have you ever met someone who was just difficult to get along with? Let's call them heavenly sandpaper. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know those people. If you do not know that person, like I want you to take a moment. I want you to think about that person. If nobody comes to your mind, you're the heavenly sandpaper. But, like, seriously, I want us to know we need each other because here's you need us, the heavenly sandpaper people, to, in order to help you and to coach you and teach you to maybe change a few things. But we also need you. Why? So that we can learn how to love. So that we can learn how to forgive. So that we can learn how to give grace and show mercy. We need each other. Here's the truth. We need you and you need us. Especially if you're that person. You ever had anything hanging out of your nose? You need someone to tell you about that. We see it. Let us coach you. Let us help you. Hey, you need to go to the bathroom. Some of the most strangest, weirdest, most difficult people to get along with are those that do life alone. And the Lord is saying, hey... I want you guys to do it together. Y'all need each other. Number three, we were created to be more like Christ. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and when you and I become more like him, this is what's happening. We are literally bringing heaven to earth. When you and I become more and more like our Savior, like Jesus, you and I are in this, are in this mode, and we're in this this assertiveness in a sense to where you and I are actually bringing heaven to earth. Compassion shows up, grace shows up, his presence shows up, his joy shows up, his peace shows up. We were created to be more like Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, it's from the very beginning God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew who would should become like his son. Colossians 1.15, we look at the Son and we see God's original purpose in everything created. He wants us to be like Christ. I will tell you, growing up and maturing physically is automatic. Spiritually, it takes time. And it takes each other. 
It doesn't just happen overnight. Yes, are we saved? Yes, are we rescued? Yes, we have all those things. But we also have to grow up. We also have to learn. God wants us to be more like Christ. Godly character, integrity, generosity are just a few. Humility. Philippians 2.5 says this. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. I'll sum it up by saying this. God is more interested in who you are becoming than what you do. God is more interested in who you are becoming than what you do, what your status, what your job. I, I mean, I'm thankful for all of those that are successful people. I'm thankful for you, most definitely. And you didn't just arrive there by accident. It was hard work. But I will tell you, if that is what sums you up and if that is who you are, we're going to miss it in this place of success because really the only success that you and I get to enjoy is Jesus. In a relationship with him, it changes everything. And then all of a sudden, the success that we have now all of a sudden has purpose for other people to see. God is more interested in who you are becoming than what you do. And then number four, last point, you and I are created to serve. Created to serve. Ephesians 2.10 says this, God made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do what? What is it? Good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing These backpacks go way beyond. I'm just so glad Craig talked about this because it's more than just an act of of, of serving. You automatically brought heaven to earth for a lot of these foster kids where they're able to experience the love of Christ. Like God cares about me because you care about me. It's amazing what the Lord has charged us to do. And I promise you, as we do the following and then we serve other people, They're going to discover and uncover this amazing love, this amazing peace and joy and purpose and hope that they can too find in Jesus. That's why we're here. We're the remedy. We are the answer to the brokenness. You and I are God's plan A. We're not plan B. He only has one plan. And it's for those that get around his heart, that get around his purpose, that get around his word, that want to be obedient to his word, because I'll sum it all up in this. Are you ready? When you and I trust the Lord enough just to say yes to him, which is ultimately marked by obedience, this is what shows up. Three things. His power, his presence, and his promises that aren't just fulfilled in us, but for the people around us. This is who we're aiming at. This is what we're going for. And it comes out of this place of just having that servant's heart. Jesus modeled that for us. He taught us in that. John 17, 18 says this. Jesus says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them, you and me, by the way, a mission in the world. Proverbs 8.32. Those who embrace my ways are what? Anybody want to be blessed this morning? Embrace his ways. Grab a hold of them. Walk them out. Encourage each other with them. If you see somebody that's kind of getting away from the herd or getting away from the pack, bring them back in and remind them. Throw that scripture back up if you don't mind, please. And remind them, those who embrace my ways, embrace my truth, 
and praise Jesus are the ones that are most blessed. Most blessed. Psalm 34 eight says, open your eyes and see how good God is. And blessed are those who run to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to be blessed as you run to him. Because I know that there are some of you that are in this room right here, right now, that are saying, Chad, I've been doing it my way. I've been running away from him, not to him. And as the scripture says this, open your eyes and see how good God is. This is how he's good. He loves you. He wants you around. He has the best for you. He's given us so many great things and good things. But blessed are those who run to him, who run to Jesus. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that, where you're saying, man, Chad, I'm not living that way, but I want to. And I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm making a commitment where I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it God's way. And if that's you in this room, all across this room, if you would, just raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just raise your hand for me. And I just want to simply pray for you.